Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Amen. The Word of God found in Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to read seven verses of Scripture in your hearing, and then we are going to look and see what God would say to us this day. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, the Bible says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were made of things which do, made not of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and by it being dead, yet speaketh. For by faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had his testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Verse 7 says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which condemned the world, and became heir of righteousness, which is by faith. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, We Need Proper Priorities to Live a God-Focused Life. If you ever wanted to live a God-focused life, you are about to hear the right word. At the right time, pray with me. God, thank you for your word. God, we believe and we make as our confession that you are the one true and living God. That Jesus Christ is your son and he was raised from the dead for the redemption of those who would believe. And God, I ask you right now by the power of the resurrection that you would anoint me to say only the things that would honor you. Give us ears to hear what you would say today. In Jesus' name, amen. We need proper priorities to live a God-focused life. I believe that every true Christian desires to have a greater God focus. I believe every real saved person wants to be the man, woman, the young person that God wants them to be. So let me give you a hint here this morning. If you don't want anything to do with a God-focused life, that is a message to you. That is a declaration to you that you are not born again, that you do not have heaven as your home, and that you are yet in your sins and on your way to hell. I don't glory in that revelation, but I make that revelation clear for you so that you would understand if there is not a compulsion on the inside of you to love God more, to honor God more, to worship God more, to live a better life, to be who God wants you to be, to focus on God more than you have, then I can tell you plainly that you have not the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says if anyone has not the Spirit of God, they are none of His. 
So if you don't have the Holy Ghost, then you're not going to have this natural compelling. You see, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit comes to live inside us at the moment of redemption. This is what makes the big change. This is why some people walk in aisle, pray a prayer, cry, get emotional, make, a, make a, a mental decision for Christ, but their life never really changes and they never really feel at peace or at one with God because they didn't get the Spirit of God as a result of their praying their prayer and walking the aisle. All they got was the experience of praying a prayer and walking an aisle. But some people who found real salvation when they called out to God to save them with all their heart, because God said, you will only, you'll search for me, but you'll only find me when you search with all your heart. Those people who got really saved, the Bible says, Jesus declared that he would send his Spirit to live inside us. Now, that's the game changer. That's the game changer. That's, that, that's why somebody like me can walk an aisle and pray a prayer in the fourth grade and think that I was really saved, only to find out years later when I got saved for real, it's a whole different level than that. And it's that spirit living inside us. And the Bible says that the spirit compels us, draws us to desire God and the things of God. It also says the Holy Spirit is not only a compeller but a constrainer, that he constrains us from that evil which we desire to do. I'm talking about us. He, he, he constrains us. It's that, it's that voice in, in our inner being that says, don't do that. God doesn't want you to do that. You're new. You're different. You're changed. So this message today, if it doesn't resonate with you, if you don't really feel the desire to focus more on God, then it is my prayer today that you would find true salvation because every really saved person wants to please the Father. Let, let, with, with that being said, the desire that we have to live a God-focused life is being combated more in 2020 than at any time in the history of the world. A lot of reasons for that. I believe, one, because we're closer to the end than we've ever been. That's factual. You don't have to agree with it. We're closer to the end than we were an hour ago. However far the end is, we're closer to the end now than the first time I said that 18 seconds ago. We're, we're closer to the end, and the Bible declares the things that would happen uh, near the end would be a great uh, falling away, would be a, a massive increase in technology. I believe because of the advent and the exposure and the addiction that people have to the Internet right now, their minds are being flooded with things that cause them to focus on things other than God. Here's what I know from real experience. You can go on your technology device, whether it's a phone, tablet, laptop, uh, PC, whatever, however you access the Internet, you can go on the Internet searching for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And four hours later, find yourself reading about recipes on how to make Mugu Guy Pan. Anybody want to say amen to that? I'm telling you, you can go on there to search how to pray better and, an hour, and two hours later realize you spent the last two hours reading stuff that had nothing to do with your original search. I'm not saying the Internet is bad, but I am saying that social media has captured the minds of America to spread a message that has nothing to do with God.
The message of hate, the message of division, the, the, the message of fear-mongering. So many times, one, one book was written called uh, The 365 Times God Said Fear Not. Now, it depends on what translation you're reading out of, but God said many times, fear not. Can we agree with that? This fear-mongering about this pandemic, oh, you're going to get sick. Oh, you're going to get positive testing. Oh, you, you, you might not feel good. Listen, you could get sick from anything, anytime, any day, any night. I'm not saying don't take precaution. I'm not saying don't wear a mask. I'm not saying don't wear gloves. I'm not saying don't put a hazmat suit on and live on that everywhere you go. What Do you? But what I am saying is God don't want you freaked out about it. God doesn't want you gripped, with, but the media does. The media does. The media wants to divide. The media wants to divide. I see them put the most ridiculous, uh, the, the, I mean, they, they break it down every way they can. Why? Divide and conquer. Divide and conquer. If they can divide us, they, they, they think they can conquer us. If they can fracture us, if they can break our unity because the enemy knows that God blesses unity, then, then they can separate us and we become victims. I told you before about the cutout principle. Don't get cut out. Most people cut themselves out. Here's the cutout principle. Here's the theological reference to the cutout principle as seen in the natural realm. Jesus taught first natural, then spiritual. He taught, uh, talked in fishing terminology to talk to fishermen about the gospel. He talked in agricultural terms to talk to farmers about the gospel. Here's a natural reference to a spiritual truth, the cutout principle. When a lion wants to eat a zebra, he really doesn't have to be choosy. But he, he, he makes a decision. He chooses to be choosy. I promise you this. A lion sees a pack of zebra standing by a water hole. He can run straight at them, jump up in the air, and claw two of them in his hands. It's just not the way he chooses to go after his prey. What he does is he hides and waits. He, he hides and watches. He lays low in the grass. And see, the Bible says that Satan is your adversary, and as a roaring lion, he seeketh whom he may devour. Well, how does a roaring lion seek what he'll devour? He don't run at it head on. I promise you he can catch that zebra. I promise you when he jumps on that zebra, it's lights out. It, it's, it's not close. But what he does, because the Bible says God told us that the, that the enemy would do us the way a roaring lion does his prey, he crouches low, he's subtle, you don't see him, and he waits on a zebra to get cut out from the herd. He waits on one to be alone. He could dive in and grab two, but he waits on one to get separated from the others. Easier to attack, easier to go after. He don't have to make up his mind when he's running at 30 of them and they all spread in different directions which one to go after. He waits on one to separate from the herd to get a little bit away from the rest of the people. And then he's got his target. And then it's a full-on chase and it doesn't last long. And he takes that zebra out. That's what happens in the spirit realm when you cut yourself away from other believers. That's what happens in the spirit realm when you cut yourself away from the God of the word and the word of our God. That's what happens when you begin to distance. See, we've heard the word distance more in the last four months than you've heard in your whole life. It's a plot of the enemy. So we would distance because when you get away 
and you get alone and you get distance from God and God's people and God's word, you're the one that the roaring lion will seek to devour. And I want to warn you this morning prophetically as the voice of God, do not cut yourself away from the herd. The lion is on the prowl. But we've got all these things. We've got the fear-mongering. Uh, and it doesn't matter what news you listen to. They're all breaking it down in such statistics. They're trying to make everybody. Originally, they were talking about people over 80. They were trying to scare off all the old people. And then, then, then they broke it down to over 75. Then they broke Now it's 65. They're like, ain't enough scared people out there. Then they broke it down and said, black people are dying at a higher rate than white people. I read an article, I read an article on CNN.com that, that said the virus was put together by racists to disproportionately affect black people. And even as I read it, I thought, okay, well, this ought to be interesting. Stupidity. Let me read it. And it says, because black people have such a high rate of high blood pressure, sickle cell anemia, and uh, what, 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 not just, diabetes, you read the article too. Diabetes, they, 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 they said that's what. Listen, the coronavirus didn't ask nobody to drown stuff in hot sauce and eat pork fat. We make them choices. Amen? Don't we, Terry? Where'd Terry go? Oh, don't he make them choices? We're trying to get him off. I told him get off that hot sauce. What they, so, so they're saying, you know, they ain't got enough old people scared, so now they got to try to say, oh, black people are more susceptible to it. They don't say put down the hot sauce, Terry. Get your pressure down. Oh, I'm black. The coronavirus is coming for me. Oh, I'm old. The coronavirus. That wasn't enough because I ain't old or black. Then they had to come at me and say, if you're fat, the coronavirus is coming for you. Oh, Lord. Now I got comorbidities. Now, now I got issues. Now, now, now it's after me. But let me tell you something. You can be black. You can be fat. You can be old. You can drown your eggs in hot sauce if you want to. God is going to keep you on this planet as long as he wants to keep you on this planet. He said fear not. They keep trying... They, I saw an article on Fox News. It don't matter which one of these news you listen to. They got the same agenda to conquer, divide and conquer, tools of the devil. And, and it, it was saying how what percentage of conservatives are getting coronavirus versus liberals. As if your ideology has any impact. It's like, whoop, oh, I, can't, I ain't suspect the coronavirus because I'm a liberal. Oh, I ain't suspect the coronavirus because I'm conservative. They ain't got nothing to, they're trying to just, just put everybody in a box. So you'll be, poor people, more suspect to coronavirus than, than rich people. Really? Why all these rich people dying? Everybody I see, the first person I saw had it was Tom Hanks. Newsflash. If everybody in this room, if we added up all our net worth together, and we added a couple zeros on the end of it, all of us together don't have Tom Hanks money. Side note, if you have Tom Hanks money, you better start giving more. Jesus said, 
When he stood at the temple and the offering time came, read your Bible. He stood at the bucket and watched what they put in. He's the same yesterday and forever. Guess what Jesus is going to be doing when that bucket gets passed today? So much in the media, so much conversation trying to make us do anything but focus on God. I want to remind you today, a God-focused life is the right life. You can focus on politics, it'll discourage you. You can focus on pandemics, it'll worry you. You can focus on what other people are saying, it will distract you. But if you focus on what God wants you to focus on, he'll give you peace like a river and joy beyond understanding. The chapter I read from this morning has been called by many the Hall of Faith or the Hall of Fame of Faith. It tells the story of different people throughout the ages that were God-focused and, and, and it, it declares the amazing things that they, do, that they did. I look at this list and I smile and I thank God he didn't choose perfect people. This list, our Hall of Fame, uh, they criticize baseball by saying you can strike out seven out of ten times and still go to Hall of Fame if you bat 300, which is true. But they make it out like it ain't true in every other area of life. You know, you, you can mess up a lot, but if you get it right with God, you still make heaven. I look at this list of people, liars, whoremongers, uh, polygamists, bigots, racists, murderers. I look at this list of cowards and thieves and, and, and uh, sex addicts. They got Samson on that list. Uh, I, look at this, I look at this list of, of people with all kinds of problems, and these are our champions of the faith. Not because they lived a perfect life, but because they focused on the one true living perfect God. And this is what I want you. If See, the enemy wants you to stay focused on how much you mess up. And every time you feel bad about messing up, I want you to remind yourself and every voice in your head, I mess up, but I love God. I mess up, but I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. And the power of the cross will overcome everything. I want us to understand this morning that everything about Christianity is by faith. Say by faith. This chapter talks a lot about faith. It, it, it begins in verse 1, declaring what faith is. But salvation comes by faith. Healing comes by faith. Deliverance comes by faith. You getting better in your life will come by faith because that is the way that God has orchestrated his movement. And I want us to pay close attention to some of the words in this passage and some of the people in this passage as we seek to learn from God how to get our priorities in order so we can have a more God-focused life. As I was reading through Genesis this month, and that's the book of the month, I want to encourage you to read something in the book of Genesis this month. I came across this passage and these names again, and I just felt compelled of God to share this message with the church about the lives of these men because we're going we're gonna to look at some, some words and and some names. The first thing I want you to see, though, is in verse 3, the word, word. Say word. Hebrews eleven three says, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the what? Word of God. So that things which are seen were not made from things which appear. Now for all the people, and there's a lot of people in the body of Christ, a lot of people in certain denominations that, go, that tell, each, tell each other all the time, 
Speak it into existence. Speak your truth. Declare it. Declare and decree it. Just call, call those things that be not as though they are. And they literally twist Scripture to believe that some kind of way God has given that power to human beings. And if you believe that, I'll tell you the same thing I tell all of them. Speak your car into a better car. Or not even that, because God said you call those things to be not as though they are. Go outside today and speak a brand new Mercedes off that dirt. Speak all your bills paid. Speak your fat to fall off your belly. Speak your bank account to have some more zeros on it. I mean, if you just got it like that, speak me to, 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 to say stuff that you like better. God calls those things that be not as though they are. God created everything by his word. The number one priority for a God-focused life is the word. I've been telling you for years, we got to get into the Word so the Word can get into us. Because it's what's in you that comes out of you when life squeezes you. See, sometimes if somebody puts pressure on you, you just cuss them out, flip them a bird, and walk off. I'm preaching on this side because they, they, they're holy over here. Sometimes if people squeeze you, you just give them a little piece of your own mind. Because what, when, when life squeezes you, you're like a sponge. You squeeze a sponge and purple Kool-Aid comes out, guess why? Because that's what's in it. And what's in you is what's going to come out of you. That's why on those days where you've really been praying right, you've really been focusing right, and, and somebody aggresses you, and I'm not talking about these fake microaggressions. That's made-up foolishness. I think they rolled their eyes at me. That was a microaggression. I, I think they held their teeth funny. No, I'm talking about when somebody really steps wrong to you, but you've been in your word and you've been in prayer, and God just, God's love pours out of you. See, what's in you will come out of you. We need to be word people. In Genesis 1-3, the Bible said, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God spoke it into existence. Through his word, Psalm 138, 2 says that God has magnified his word above his name. You can say that you love God, but if you don't love the word of God, you are a self-deceived person. God has magnified his word above all of his name. Matthew 24, 35, Jesus said, heaven and earth pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Jesus said, not one comma or one apostrophe, not one jot. Not one tittle of the Word of God would be done away with. It would last forever. We need to be Word people. You need to put a higher priority on spending time in the Word. You catch every episode of whatever show you watch, but you ain't caught every episode of this book. Mm. That, that, that's worth the price of admission right there. Everybody in the room should have jumped up and down, ran around, shout hallelujah, and threw all their money on the altar. We need to get into the Word. We got to be word people. We got to place a priority on God's word. Jesus said in Matthew 4 and 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You, you, got, you got to feed on the word. Some people are spiritually frail. Some people are spiritually fragile. I remember one of the most dominant basketball players in college basketball history. The stats bear it out. 
uh, I don't really care for the guy. I was never a fan of his because I was never a UCLA fan and I was never a Laker fan. Uh, I'm a Celtic till I die. But Bill Walton. Bill Walton had one of the most successful college basketball careers of anyone who ever played college basketball. But when he got to the pros, he couldn't stay healthy. You know why? Vegan. Let me tell you something. At seven foot tall, if all you're eating is a, is a handful of lettuce and a carrot, you're probably not going to be healthy enough to take an elbow from Wilt Chamberlain and Bill Russell. Meat and potato eating brothers right there. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying you're wrong if you're vegan. I'm not telling you what to eat as, as, as a natural diet. But I'm telling you, if you don't eat right in the natural, you'll become fragile. Bill Walton was injury prone his whole career. Didn't last long. Made no records in the NBA, worth note, uh, because he didn't have the right diet to sustain the effort that he wanted to put forth. And there's so many Christians, true Christians, real Christians, that are frail, fragile, and injury prone to everything that comes their way spiritually because they don't feed on the right thing. Are you feeding on the Word of God? Jesus said, you, you, you got you to gotta eat, you got to live off that spiritual food. Over the next few verses, the Bible talks about three men, and, and these three men are listed in chronological order, which I believe is important because I've taught you many times about the law of priority listing. In the Bible, as we study hermeneutics, the art and science of interpreting Scripture, we see certain principles that hold true, and the law of priority listing is one of them. Every time the 12 apostles are named in the Bible, the first four are always the first four, and the last four are always the last four. Every time, without exception. Every time, the first four are always the first four. Why? Because there is a law of priority listing. Like on our food labels, the thing that's listed first is most prominent. It comes first for a reason. Not every list in the Bible follows this, but the mass majority of them do. And I want us to consider priority listing this morning as we look at the lives of these three people. In verse 4, the Bible says, By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. The sacrifice that he gave was an act of worship. He made God a sacrifice. And the second priority that we need to focus on if we want a God-focused life is worship. Say worship. Not just the word, but worship. In verse 4 the Bible of Genesis 4, the Bible says, And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock, and of the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering. He didn't just bring something. He brought the best. He didn't just bring the best. He brought all of the best. Study sacrifices. You'll find out some, sometimes people gave their best sheep, but they kept back a piece. Sometimes they kept back the fat. Some of y'all grew up in houses. My grandmama always had a giant can of lard on the counter. Anybody remember that? Had to have that fat. You want to know why? Because everything we ate was in fat. My grandmama had an expression until she died and she told the truth. If you don't like how it eats, throw it some grease. It'll taste better. Isn't that right? You would never catch me eating boiled squash, but I'll order some thin, cut, crispy fried squash and cover it in some ranch dressing and eat it until I can't breathe. I ordered that as an appetizer. You'd never catch me eating some boiled okra 
with chunks of stewed tomato in it. That's hot garbage to me. I ain't putting a spoon on it. But, oh, man, didn't we just have it on some toothpicks? Oh, we were just at Sonny's the other day. I saw that fried okra on there. I said, yeah, let me start with that fried okra appetizer. You throw some grease on it, put some salt on it. They, they brought that thing out to us. We each had our own big old long. We, they, they didn't bring us plates. I was waiting on some plates, and I realized we don't need plates. They gave us all our own little sticker. We stabbed that thing with this big old gigantic toothpick, covered that stuff in some salt and some ranch dressing. Tastes better. Why? Cook, cooked in grease. But I say all that to say a lot of times, look, look what the Bible says. Not only did Abel bring the first of his flock, and, what does and mean? There's more. He did more than just the first part. He did extra. Some people never did extra for God in their life. They do well, What's the least I can do and get away with it? What's the least amount of time I can pray? What's the least scripture I can give? What's the least amount of days I can come to church? What's the, what's the least amount of gospel songs? I, no, he did more. And the fat thereof. Now, see, when we read that, we just gloss over it. No, not that generation. They're like, dang. He gave up the fat, too. One had to get that brain fat. You got to cook with something now. I mean, I was going to give the sheep, but you got to get some of that fat. Gave it all as an act of pure worship. Some people think that if they had more money, they'd give more money. That's not true. Giving is, 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 is not a show of your finances. Giving is a show of your heart. Abel didn't have any more than what Cain had, but he gave a whole lot more because he loved God more. He loved God more. Giving is an act of worship. Sacrifice is an act of worship. Now, I, I want you to, to think about this with me. Without this setup, you would have got this wrong. I'll see if you can get it right with the setup. Who was the first person ever born in the earth? Adam would be the answer everybody would have given without the setup. People are trying to think. The first person ever, Adam wasn't born. Adam was created. Adam was formed out of the dust of the ground. God created him as, as a grown-up. The first person ever born on this planet was Cain. The second person ever born was Abel. And one was a worshiper and one was a murderer. Now, I'm not going to tell you what camp you fit in, but I tell you this, you fit in one or the other. You either please God by focusing on Him or you don't. The second priority we need to live a God-focused life is worship. Worship, simply stated, I don't have time to get into it, but basically is giving honor and adoration to God. It's loving on God. It's pouring out your love to God. It's doing things to show that you love God. It's offering our lives to Him and everything we have. And I want you to hear this good. If you ever want to be who God wants you to be, you must worship God. You, 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 you got to start with the Word. Everything started with the Word. But then the next thing we see is worship. We got to worship. God, the, the, the Bible says that God and, and Adam spent time in the garden every day. Adam loving on God. God loving on Adam, if you don't spend a life of worship, and some people say, well, I don't like music and I don't like singing. I, God didn't ask you if you like music and I like singing. He said, you must work. I am the Lord your God. You shall worship me. You want to be who God wants you to be. 
you got to do worship. In verse 5, the Bible says, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Our third priority for a God-focused life is walk. Say walk. You got to start with the Word. You got to worship God. Then you got to walk with God. Enoch, the Bible tells us, walked with God. Listen to Genesis 5, 22. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Enoch walked with God. Now, there's an interesting trivia question for you. Who's the oldest man uh, recorded in the Bible to ever live? Didn't outlive his daddy. How can he be older than his daddy? His daddy's still alive. Hmm. Hmm. See, I'm like Arsenio. Y'all don't remember Arsenio. Arsenio had an index finger that was this long. Arsenio would, would, he would, he would go, things that make me say, hmm. But his elbow was way back here when he did it. <laughs> his finger was still here, but his elbow was back behind his shoulder. Things that make me go, hmm. Enoch walked with God, and, 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 and he never died. Now, some corny theologian said one time, one day Enoch was walking with God, and it was getting late, and God said, we're closer to my house than yours. Come home with me. And I don't believe that's how it went down, but it's kind of cool like that. Uh, I wouldn't mind that a little bit. Some of y'all trying to hold on to see what life's going to be like next year. Some of y'all trying to hold on because you want to vote. Some of y'all trying to hold on because you want to get a different president. Some of y'all trying to hold on. Uh, listen, I'd, I'd love it if God just took me. Now, he didn't say he suffered a horrible death. The Bible just said he walked with God, and he was not because God took him. They're like, where's Enoch? No, i probably with God. Now, why, why would they think he was probably with God? Because he'd always been walking with God. If you want to be who God wants you to be, you got to walk with God. But there's some difficulty there. Amos 3.3 3 says two can't walk together except they be agreed. God said you can't be a racist and go to heaven. Where does he say that? The Bible says if you can't love people you see, that you cannot love a God you've never seen. Black folk are people you see. Any of y'all see these black folk in here? You're going to hell if you don't love everybody. White people are people you see. Any of y'all see white people in here? You can't. People that are racist that think they're going to heaven have deceived themselves. If you are a racist and you want heaven for eternity, you better repent. You better tell God you know better than anybody else that it took the same amount of blood to save you as it took to save anybody else. And you need God just like every other race, color, and creed of person that ever existed on this planet. Be walked with God. Two can't walk together except they be agreed. Well, I just don't think I need, it ain't, all, it ain't about all that. It don't take all that. Oh, yeah, it does. It takes more than that. I just don't think I need to be reading my Bible every day. You better understand you need Jesus every day. I just don't think I need to be up at the church all the time. The Bible said Jesus went to church every day. Studied the gospel. Said it was his custom daily to be in the church. The apostles went to church every day. They went to church for the service, and they went to church for the hour of prayer. 
Read about the man that got healed at the beautiful gate. You find that out. All you got to do is open your eyes and read the Bible. Well, I just don't think God needs my money. Well, no, God don't need your money. But he commanded us to give 10% of the first of every dollar that comes into our hand. Well, I just don't see it that way. Well, read Matthew 23 and see what Jesus said. You must tithe. Break that down for me in your intelligentsia. You wonder why you can't walk with God closely? Because the Bible says two can't walk together except they be agreed. God says you got to forgive people. You grudge over. Well, you don't know what they did to me. Now, I don't know what they did to you. I just know you're violating God's word. Because he said if you don't forgive others, God won't forgive you. Are you seeing that there are some difficulties in walking in agreement with God? And let me tell you why. Because he's always right. And stubborn people hate that. You ever been around somebody who was always right? They get on folks' nerves. You know what they tell somebody who's always right? Oh, he just thinks he's always right. If you ever said that about somebody, it's because they were right more than you. If you ever said somebody was, oh, they just holier than now. You're showing your cards. These are tells. Some of y'all understand from playing cards what a tell is. You can tell when, when, when somebody's playing. If somebody says, oh, she's just holier than thou. No, you're just mad because she's holier than you. These are, you're telling on yourself with these things. But we can't walk with God. We'll never be productive in living a God-focused life unless we walk with God. But we can't walk with God unless we be agreed. That's why we see Jesus praying, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus wasn't having no struggle on whether or not he wanted to go to the cross. These preachers that preached that, Jesus was in angst and in anguish, praying sweat drops like blood. He didn't want to go to the cross. He told God if there's any other way, he was trying to find a back door. Jesus was never trying to find a back door away from the cross. He came to this earth to honor his Father in all ways and die an obedient death. But he gave us an example that said, not my will, but your will be done. Of course, he had human intrepidation about the cross. Of course, he didn't want to have the physical suffering. Of course, he didn't want to have the separation between God where he would have to cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Of course, he didn't want to be looked on as dirty by God when the Bible says at the moment of redemption that all the sin of humankind was placed on his body. He bore our sins in his own body. He didn't want to feel that grossness. But he did it. He never tried to back away from it. He wanted to prove to us that if he said, not my will, but yours be done, that's what we ought to say. God's will is better. See, we, we've got it in our minds. Oh, if I just get to do my little thing, you know, I'll give God this and this. But, you know, this is me over here. I'm going to keep this little thing, you know, that, that, that's, that's, that's my fun thing. You think your fun thing is a better plan for you than God's plan? You are mistaken. God has not put a plan forth for you to rob you of joy. God's ways will fill you with joy. But we got to walk with him. we got to be agreed with him to walk with him. In verse 7, the Bible says, By faith Noah, being warned of the things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, which is by faith. Noah moved with fear 
and prepared an ark. I want you to know this. That was a lot of work. Noah was a worker. The fourth priority for a God-focused life is work. Say work. You've heard me say it before. I'll say it again. Work is not a, four, not a dirty word just because it's a four-letter word. You, you, you look at this younger generation, they act like working is, is bad. I can tell you as somebody who broke my back twice and my neck once in, in the last 10 years, uh, last nine years, that work is a blessing. And if you ever get to the place where you can't do the work you used to do, you'll find out how bad that is. God gave work to humans before sin existed. We need to work for God. You ought to do all you can with all you have for the God that you love with all your heart. Noah was a worker. Listen to Genesis 6, 14. God said, make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark and pitch it within and without with pitch. Listen, God told this one man, make an ark. Okay, this ark housed thousands of animals, had thousands of rooms in it, was, was until the, the Queen Elizabeth ship that set all the records, it was the biggest boat of record until the 1800s. This thing was huge, and he made it by hand. I watched a story on CBS one time. They were telling a story about Genesis and they got to Noah's ark, and he went to sleep one night drunk, woke up the next day, there was palletized wood sitting all around and pre-cut, wrapped up in metal bands on pallets. Not how it happened. He didn't have no snap-on tools. He didn't have a skill saw. He, 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 he didn't have a pneumatic drill or ha uh, na nail gun. That was a lot of work. Imagine if you had to go cut down trees and build a boat of any kind just for you to float in. God told this man, make a boat. It's going to rain. I'm going to flood all the earth. It had never rained before. Study the Bible. It had never rained a drop before. The plants were watered from the ground. The dew watered the plants. The plants were watered from the moisture that was in the air because the water, God separated the water below the earth from above the earth, and there was a vast canopy of water suspended above the earth that descended on the earth and flooded the earth as the rain fell. He's tell, imagine, imagine that story. Somebody looks at you, and they're like, what, what you doing? I'm heading to church. They're like, you going to church again? That's all you do, go to church. They walk by Noah. They're like, what you doing? I'm building a boat. Study geographically how far away Noah was from any body of water. He's out in the middle of the desert building a boat. There's no F-250 to drag this boat to ocean. There ain't, no, you know, ain't no heavy equipment to get this. They're like, building a boat in, on sand? How are you going to float it? It's going to rain. What's rain? Well, God's going to make water fall. Water ain't going to fall from the sky. you whack. Listen, if your faith doesn't cause people to think you're whack, your faith is too weak. If you're not living so extreme that people look at you like you're extreme, then you're not living the way God wants you to live. God will cause you to build a boat in the desert when there's never been no rain so you can float to safety. That's a lot of work, though. Didn't happen overnight. He had to go to work, go to work, go to work. You get people right now, they get saved, they get fired up for a minute, and they're like, I just want to do anything I can, Pastor. Let me cut the grass. Let me clean the bathroom. Three months later, they ain't even around. Let me tell you, I'm going to give you something profound right now. It's going to blow your wig back. This is deep. Work is work. If it was fun, they'd call it fun. If it was a party, they'd call it a party. 
If it was happy times and smiles all the time, they would call it happy times and smiles all the time. But they don't call it that. They call it work. I'm telling you. Uh, too many, but he, he, here's, here's, here's where people get their priority messed up. I told you this is chronologically, but it's also in order of priority. Too many people try to work for God without ever having gotten into the Word of God. Too many people try to work for God without ever having walked with God. Listen, it's awesome if you want to go to work for God, but you better get in the word of God and you better walk with God so that when the time comes for you to do the work, you'll be empowered and anointed. So many people try to get their priorities jacked up and start going to work before they get filled up on the word and get filled up on closeness to God and life unravels. If you want to live a God-focused life, you got to work for God. Our fifth and last priority for a God-focused life is witness. Say witness. In Acts 1.8, Look at what the Bible says. I want you to look at the screen as I read it because I'm, I'm going to say something that's not on the screen. I want you to let me know when, when, when I say it wrong. But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall speak in tongues, roll on the floor, and play with your spiritual gifts. Ain't that why God gave us the Holy Ghost? So I believe in speaking in tongues. I believe in rolling on the floor. I believe in exercising spiritual gifts, but I don't believe that's the primary reason God gave us the Holy Ghost. The Bible says you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. If you study filled with the Holy Ghost, part of the time when the Bible says they were filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake in other languages or they spake in other tongues, that's in there. But you'll see more times than not they were filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake boldly for Christ. The purpose of having the Holy Spirit in you is to give you power to be witnesses unto God in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. If you look at those geographic locations on a map, you will see they are expanding concentric circles. For You, you start in Jerusalem. That's where you live. Then you spread out into the surrounding area, which was Judea. Then you spread out nationwide, Samaria. Then you spread out to the whole earth. We got to impact our own home, our own neighborhood, our own community, the area where we go to church, our own city, our own state, our own country, our whole world. We got to be witnesses. But you can't be a witness to the world if you won't be a witness where you go. Everything starts with the word. Abel was a worshiper. Enoch walked with God. Noah worked for God. We are his witnesses. We've been called to witness. And if you're going to have a God-focused life, you're going to have to be a witness. you got to be a witness. I want you to know you cannot mix these priorities up and hope to have a joyful Christian life. Some of y'all love loving God. Some of y'all love Worshiping. Some of y'all love the word. Some of y'all love working for God. Some of y'all, some of y'all just love being with God. But if you don't have these priorities in the right order, it's all going to unravel and it's all going to come apart. Get in the word. Get, get, get in the word. And, 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 then, and then put those five words on the screen for me, Dick. Get in the word. As you get into the word, if, if you're saved and you get into the word, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make you want to worship him. It's going to make you want to say, thank you, God, for loving me. And it's going to make you want to love him. You get in the word, it's going to make you a worshiper. 
You start worshiping with God, then you're going to walk with Him. You're just going to want to be with Him all the time. You're going, you're going to want God around you when you wake up in the morning. You're going to want God with you at work. You're going to want God with you in the car. You're just going to be walking with God. You, you're going to be able to say, like, like the old songwriter said, and He walks with me, and He talks. You're going to be able to feel the presence of a living God. That can't come without getting into the Word first and without worshiping first. Then you're going to start walking with God, and you're going to have an awareness. Everywhere I go, I feel the Spirit of God on me. Everywhere I go, I just feel at one with God. That's, that's the atonement, at one with God. Every, everywhere I go, I, I just, I, I, I'm just talking to God. I, he, he's talking. He's filling my mind with thoughts. I'm thinking about Him all the time. I wake up with Him on my mind. I talk to Him at lunch. I go to bed. With, you're walking with God, and then you're empowered to work for God, and you want to. See, this is the difference between real saved folk doing something for God and lost folk doing something for God. People who are really saved with God, they'll endure being the only nursery worker for 17 weeks in a row. Because they just thank God. God gave them something to do. Do you know how awesome it is that God allows us to work for Him? Think of every company in, the, in, in, this, in this world right now. 99.9% of them would not hire any of us. Go ahead, try it. Go, 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 go to, go to some, go, well, just take the Fortune, not even Fortune 500 company. Go to Fortune 100 company. Go to Apple tomorrow and tell them I'm here. Where's my job? I'm not talking about the Apple store at the mall. I'm talking about go to Apple headquarters and say, I'm here. Go ahead, do that. Go to Amazon. I'm not talking about the fulfillment center. I'm talking about the Amazon headquarters. Go to Facebook. Fly on out to California. Walk up to Facebook and tell them I'm here. What desk do I get? They wouldn't hire us. We don't have that skill set. We, we don't have that background. We don't have that resume. We're not important enough. Go to the largest law firm in Jacksonville. Go on over to Morgan and Morgan. Say, hey, yo, yo, dog, saw you on a commercial. You said nobody is a nobody. I'm a somebody. Where's my job? He's going to have Tequisha at the front desk. Security. Security. You about to get hauled out. They don't want us. Some of y'all like sports. Go ahead. Go ahead and show up. Drive on up to Atlanta this weekend. Let them know. Hey, I'm here. I, you know, I play a little first base. What you got for me? They got nothing for you. They're going to tell you we got a ticket if you buy it online. Some of y'all like football. Go ahead. Drive on down to Miami. Let them know. They got to make a good uh, starting linebacker. Uh, Who's who going to measure me? Where's my size? Go get I, I skipped, I forgot Jacksonville had a team. They're so raggedy. Go ahead, just, you ain't got to drive to Miami anymore. When I was a kid, you had to drive to Miami. There wasn't no Tampa Bay. Wasn't no Jacksonville Jaguars. City want to name a team after a word nobody can say. They got no job for you. But the most high God, the only true and living God, says, I'll let you work on my team. I, I, I'll be your leader. You can sign up in my army. I'll take you now. You don't even need to ask that. It is a blessing to work for God. And, and as you get these priorities together, then what you're going to find out is, and listen, this is, the, this is the coolest one. If you get those other four happen, witness is going to flow out of the natural. 
Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of, some of y'all have gotten in the Word, started worshiping God, or walking with God. You're working for God. And it just seems like every day, God just opens up a new opportunity for you to talk to somebody about the Lord. Can anybody say amen? God, God just allows somebody to cross your path. And you're like, I, I thought I was going to have to move to Africa to be a witness for God. I found out enough lost people on my job to witness for God. I found out enough lost people walking in my, in my direction. You don't have to look hard once you get these priorities in order. You're going to find out. The Bible says, as you go to preach the gospel to every creature. You should be walking about your business. You'll be checking out a line at, at, at the kangaroo. I ain't even gonna mention what you're in there buying. You'll be checking out a line at the kangaroo. You see somebody, and the Spirit of God will just prompt you. Just say, God bless you to that. That's a witness. I'm so tired of people telling me God bless me when I sneeze. Tell me God bless me when you see me. Why, why do we feel empowered to say, God bless you? If somebody sneezes, I told y'all, I've been in lines at the credit union, nine deep. Somebody at the front will sneeze. Four out of nine people say, God bless you. Why are you so boned up to tell them God bless you? Because they sneeze, but you won't ever say God bless you to somebody at a gas pump. You get your word right. You get your worship right. You get walking with God right. You go to, you go to work for God. You're going to be a witness. So let me ask you in closing, how are you doing in these areas? Are you a word person? If we could put on screen right now the amount of time you spend in the Bible this week, would, would, would we say, oh, yeah, you're a word person? Or would we say, hmm, half-stepper, no-stepper? Are you a worshiper? If we could put on film right now how much time you spent worshiping God this week, how much time you spent telling God you love Him, how much time you spent serving God, how much time you spent pouring your heart out on God. Third, have you been walking with God? Who's your best friend? Who's your friend that sticks closer to you than anybody else? See, some people think it's talking about in the natural study of the context when the Bible says there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. It's talking about the Lord. Is that where you're at? How you been doing? Are you a worker in God's kingdom? Yeah, you ever even thought about helping on a Thursday or Friday or Saturday at food and clothing? You ever even thought about taking the turn in the nursery? You ever thought about going with Elder Keon up to the youth room? on Wednesday night and seeing if you could help him? You, you, ever, you ever even thought about being a deacon in the church? You ever even thought about it's a blessing for God to allow you to work on his behalf? You ever thought about helping park the cars? You ever thought about helping clean the church? You ever even thought about any of that stuff? Oh, Pastor, I'd do anything. Y'all know me. I, you're not, you're not going to pander to me. You're not going to gain favor with me. I'm not here, I'm not here for politics. I'm not here uh, for you to tell me I'm special. You're not going to impress me by coming to me saying, Pastor, I love God so much. Whatever I can do, just let me know. I'm going to tell you the same thing. I, I've told 50,000 people over the last 20 years. What am I going to tell them? Anybody know? Go see Dina. She's the church administrator. She'll put you to a task. My job is to give myself to prayer and study of the Word. That's what the Bible says that the pastor needs to do, to give myself to prayer and study of the Word. Next time you're wondering, hmm, 
Why, why, why don't we see Pastor Scott up here when we're moving all this heavy furniture? Somebody tell you because his back and his neck. But the deeper reality is because the Bible tells me I got to give myself to prayer and study of the Word. I'm doing mine. Are you doing yours? Are you working for God? And last thing, are you a witness for God? God wants us to live God-focused lives, but we got to get these things in order. You can't do step C without doing step A or it will fall apart. And if you haven't been living your life the way God wants you to, in closing, i got great news for you. We don't serve the God of a second chance. We serve the God of another chance. It doesn't matter how many times you've started and stopped and started and stopped and started and stopped. It doesn't matter if you failed him more than you've served him. It doesn't matter if you've been raggedy and, 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 and messed up. God said in 1 John 1, 9, if we will confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from how much? All unrighteousness. There's no greater feeling than, than the feeling of being clean before a holy God. All you got to do is confess. You know, God will forgive you when you can't forgive yourself. He's faithful to forgive us. Sometimes we're not even faithful to forgive ourselves. But the promise of God is that if you ask him to forgive you today, he will do it. Everybody in this room needs to ask God to forgive him. That, that, was, that, was, that was the first time I discredited uh, Donald Trump as being a Christian. I don't know the man's heart. I, I did hear somebody said that he said it. I don't know if he said it, but if he said it, he ain't saved. Somebody said he said he never asked for forgiveness because he don't believe he needs to be forgiven for anything. If you don't know that you need to be forgiven for something, you ain't saved. All of us need to ask God to forgive us for wherever we failed him. Some of us need forgiveness so we can go back to working and walking and worshiping him and getting back in his word. Some people in the room need forgiveness to find new life so that you can become a real Christian. I don't know what your need is today, but I know what the answer is. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, healed, and delivered. You call on God, he'll save you. You call on God, he'll help you break free from your trouble. You call on God and you ask him to forgive you, he'll do it. Let's pray. God, thank you for forgiveness that you freely give us through your son. God, I thank you for every saved person in the room. And I pray that you would let us walk in repentance, God. That you would let us constantly be asking for your forgiveness so that we would constantly be clean in your presence. God, I pray for every lost person under the sound of my voice, God. I pray that you would save them by your spirit with resurrection power from the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.